It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Yeah, well, we all all know it was pretty pretty busy on the weekend. Loads of sports, so we'll forgive you if you haven't stayed across Flushing Meadows, the US Open. It's well and truly underway. And to give us an update on what has already been an eventful tournament is tennis commentator and host of Behind the Racket podcast, Mike Cation. Morena, Mike, how are you? How are you guys? Yeah, really good, mate. Um, the runner, Serena Williams, came to an early end, but pretty outstanding for a 40, 40 year old, don't you think? Yeah, it's been in a really emotional week here in New York. I was lucky enough actually to call her last two matches um, against uh, Tamjanovic and also the win that she had over Conte. I think it really kind of showed, though, if, if this is indeed the end, it's really the perfect ending. Just this incredible win over the number two player in the world when, frankly, a lot of people thought she wasn't going to even be able to get out of the first round. And then even in the loss against Tomjanovic, who played just a fantastic, well-composed, elite-level match, you know, Serena fought off six match points before she eventually bowed out. It just kind of showed this fighting spirit. But this entire week has entirely been about... And so I... Um, sorry, guys, I think I got another call there. But I was going to say this: this entire week has been all about Serena Williams, and I think we're at this kind of point right now where it's the opportunity to kind of get into the tennis now. Yes, get back into the tennis. So just quickly on, on Serena before we move on to the rest of the tournament. Obviously, there was so much pressure and, and hype, and you obviously had all the superstars in, in the sporting world there uh, in the stands watching greatness before them. But for Serena, the pressure... Now that it's, it's finished and she can move on, and she's going to play other tournaments, uh, we, we know that for sure. Can she go on and, and maybe take one more before we see the end of it? No, I mean, I think this is it. I, I really do think this was the last one, guys. Um, I, so I that's think it. Still, yeah, I, I, I mean, that was kind of the implication. I mean, she has not mm. fully said that's it, it. Um, but I don't know that... Listen, I think if anything, if she plays... In, from here on out um it'll be the australian open i don't see her playing any smaller events at this stage um 
I, I, this is, it's, it's hard to fathom her winning a title at this stage. I mean, it's, it's not outside of the realm of possibility, but it's hard to see. And with her greatness, her level, if she's not able to win a tournament, there's no real point in playing it for her. Um, so I do think this is it. I think the way it happened the last couple of days, like I said, beating the number two player in the world and then fighting off all those match points, I really think that was a really good final chapter on the book of the career of Serena Williams. Yeah, no, it was, it was an outstanding effort for me to get uh, past the number two. What about Cam Nori? Um, he's, a, he's a player of Kiwi Connections. Uh, Mike, you know, you probably followed him a bit on the circuit. Can you tell us a little bit about his rise in the tennis circuit? I'm sorry, you cut out just for a second. It's probably my wireless, which is not great here. But which which player? I apologize. Cam Nori. Have you been following Cam oh, Nori? Cam Nori. Yes, I've I've known Cam for a long time since actually he was in college here in the states. Um, he's one of those guys uh, who's obviously into the fourth round here in the U.S. Open, and he's just the epitome of a, a player who has put in all of this effort to get to where he is right now as a top ten player in the world. He's going to be taking on Andre Rublev tomorrow. Um, came to play here in the states as a collegiate player. Went to TCU for three years. Um, but what he's been able to do of late, he's really done a, a fantastic job of making sure he has a really formidable weapon on that backhand wing, and he's really a guy who's under the radar. Um, he, he's not incredibly vocal. He's not exactly the most flashy player, um, but at the same time, he has everybody's respect because he's out there working harder than everybody else. Um, he's got these incredible opportunities in front of him along with what you guys have down in New Zealand, but he's also got the British ties. So he's got the, the British press on him, but he's just one of those delightful, hardworking guys. And he's uh, going to be taking on Andre Rublev tomorrow. And I think it's a realistic possibility to see him potentially into the quarterfinals um, where he might face Rafael Nadal. Yes. And the other side, the, the, one of the match, the round, the matches of round of 16 is Medvedev taking on Kyrgios later on. This morning here in New Zealand, 11 a.m. How does that unfold? Does the circus continue? And I'm talking about Kyrgios. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I think the circus is going to continue, frankly, for either player. Um, it's Daniel Medvedev has certainly a little bit of a circus atmosphere himself. I'm actually going to be calling that match tonight on U.S. Open Radio. Um, it is. It, it, it's a fascinating matchup because they played just a couple of weeks ago, right, with uh, Nick Kyrgios winning that match. What he's been able to do this summer, obviously, um, I'm, I know you guys know it well, but he suddenly settling all of these demons and allowing himself to have just a great run of play. He's been healthy. He credits um, his new girlfriend that he you know, met at the beginning of the year. That has been bringing him st some stability. Both of his parents are back in Australia. Both of them are sick. So I think it's given him a little bit of perspective as well. There's been no doubt since he really burst onto the scene in 2014 that he is an elite top 10 level player. It's been a matter of getting his brain to just kind of acknowledge what the body is. Um, I, I don't know what I, I think, you know, the, the question has been for so many years, the fact that Kyrgios hasn't been able to do it in best of five sets against the best players in the world. I think he was right there against Novak Djokovic in the Wimbledon final. Um, I think he's going to be ready tonight. It's going to be nuts. There is one bit of an issue in that it is, it is uh, we've got some storms rolling in, so it looks like the roof will be closed tonight. 
um, which actually does favor Nick Kyrgios. It potentially could speed up the courts just a little bit as well. That is certainly in his favor. I, I, everything points towards a good opportunity for Nick. But Daniil Medvedev, he loves this stage. He loves the court that is Arthur Ashe Stadium because of how big it is. It gives him a lot of room to roam, and he's very rangy. So I'm I'm actually really excited to call it um, with Mark Woodford and Jose Higueras, a couple of guys, veterans, um, uh, players themselves. And it, it, this is going to be very entertaining because these crowds this week in New York have been um, above average. In fact, they've been setting records this week. It's going to be packed in there and noisy and loud, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Mate, talking about the crowds, how do they take to Nick Kyrgios? Obviously, just what he does to his own box, and he sprays him left, right, and center, and then the U.S. Open has come out and, and delivered him, or handed him the biggest fine in tennis history. I think it was 11000 U.S. dollars, if I was reading. But um, how do they take to his, like, persona? They love him? Yes. Um, it, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things, guys. Um, the best way I can say it is it's, there's a pretty distinct divide it seems like it's about 40 years old. Um, if you're younger than 40, the the younger audience really, truly loves him because he does have such passion, plays with that passion throughout. And yes, it can come out in some very negative ways, some some ways that really offends people, right? Um, but I, I do sense like the older population of tennis, they kind of like things a little bit more formal. This is a sport of gentlemen, right? And, and it's very difficult. So you will definitely have this mix of wild applause. You've also got a lot of people who just frankly don't like him at all. Um, but the ones that are louder and the ones that are going to participate are much more active for him unless he goes a little bit crazy and then you'll start getting those boos. So um, I, I know that I think there's a reason. I don't know if you guys know this, but Netflix is going to be coming out with a documentary early next year on the tennis circuit, much like they did for Formula One earlier the last couple of years. They have been featuring Nick Kyrgios almost exclusively. I I tell you, I've been watching throughout this year at at various different events. He is the one they're following at every single place that he plays, and I think there's a reason for that. He is dynamic. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I, I think it's been really fun to watch because this crowd in New York really loves him. And Daniil, of course, has some history here in New York as well. Oh, it makes a lot of sense now, Mike, that you've just put that out there to our New Zealand followers. That uh, Nick Kurios, he's obviously got a camera on his face 24-7. is why he's playing up. He's playing up. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that factors in because this is this is one of those things that once that documentary comes out, I mean, you've seen what it's done for Formula One, right? He's already Mm. one of the biggest stars in our game. It is going to take it to a more casual sports fan. They haven't seen him necessarily. The merchandising opportunities for him and the sponsorship opportunities, it's going to be through the roof for Nick Kyrgios. Hey, just one more question before we let you go. On the women's side of things, is anyone who's genuine challenger to that number one seed, uh, Schwarzschick, or is, is she just too good? Yeah, listen, Iga's uh, incredible. Um, 37 match winning streak earlier this year, but she's kind of going through a a more difficult patch right now, only winning six of her last 10, I guess seven uh, seven of 11 after her win last night. 
the, the beautiful part right now about the women's game is that it is pretty wide open. I think a lot of people right now, frankly, guys, are pointing at Coco Goff. Is this potentially the year where she's able to break through and get that first Grand Slam, especially here at home? Um, I think Caroline Garcia, French woman, is in the same part of the draw. That could be a potential quarterfinal matchup, Goff versus Garcia, that I think a lot of people are pointing to. And I think also you have to put in um, Arena Sabalenka. She is the sixth seed here this week. She has a lot of power and a lot of pace. These courts are playing a little bit faster, guys. And so I, I think she's somebody you have to keep an eye out for. But, I, I, you know, it's pretty wide open on the women's side. But I, I think everybody still regards Iga Svantec as the favorite for now. Hey, Mike, thanks a lot for joining us this morning on SENZ. Uh, go well, mate, and look forward to listening to your commentary. All right, sounds so good. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the time. That's great. That's Thank Mike, you, Mike. Mike Cation, tennis commentator, the host of Behind the Racket podcast, giving us everything at Flushing Meadows. Man, Nick Kyrgios, that makes sense. I watched that, Izzy. I watched that where he was going off. What I think was his it was actually his team in the uh, in the box. Saying to the, he was basically saying, "You're a spectator." Sit down, you're a spectator. And I'm, I'm like, man, this guy, he just knows how to get people going. Mate, it makes sense. You're dead right. You get a camera in someone's face. I've touched on it. All or nothing, all blacks, when they came into camp, you knew who had a mic on them because you were like, who is this? <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve, Steve, is that you? Sh- Shaggy, why are you being like that? You never, ever do that. Or like the other nutritionist comes on the park and hands out all these things. And you're like, hey, and then you see this little wire down the back. You're like, oh, they've all changed. He is 100% putting on a show <laughs> for Netflix. It makes sense why he is spraying his own box. I'm like, what a loser. What yeah, an idiot. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Breaking news. <laughs> Oh, so good. Mike Cation, breaking news. The Formula One, seeing what it did for Formula One, Kimpy, you can only imagine this is going to just draw numbers, the views that this show is going to get, the behind the scenes, because I, I, I still know limited about Formula One, but, man, after watching that series, I was, I become a fan. You know, you get a real inkling of what goes on, and the money that is poured into this. The, 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 rich, you know, the riches that it is as in Formula One, but... These drivers and how fast and, and what they put their lives on the line for, mate. It, it's, it's inspiring and it gives you a real insider's look to what goes on. So I'm excited for that tennis. Yeah, Nick Curios. Well, what a superstar, mate, because of course mm. he's going to be the number one attraction. So, yeah. you know, what's going to be interesting if they get like Nick Curios giving you your feed and John mm. McEnroe giving you your dessert in the in the conversation. I'm looking for I'm looking it will be one that I'll be um, waiting to, to come out to watch. I'll, I'd like to see it. Yes, I can't wait, mate. I can't wait. It got me excited. Uh for sure. Anyway, that was uh Mike Cation talking about the US Open. Serena Williams is over. She is done and what a genuine goat. The greatest of all time. Coco Goff. Can she hold it down? Danielle Collins, she's as well. She's a US uh, participant, and she is going to hopefully do it for the United States. That was my occasion. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. This week's Warriors review will be hard to watch given that they were up a massive 14 points with less than 10 minutes left on the clock. Once again, the Warriors snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. And this simply reinforces that if we have learnt one thing, just one thing, 
It's that the Warriors' defence, especially on the edges, has shown no improvement at all this year. So who is accountable, and why is the club happy to roll into 2023 with no one taking responsibility for this poor defensive effort? Do we honestly believe that simply returning to New Zealand after COVID was going to be the answer to the major problem this team currently has? This problem is defence, or lack of it. It was always going to be an interesting match between the two teams notorious for the leakiest defence in the comp. While the Warriors were on attack, this awful weakness was masked by the Titans' comparably terrible defence. Unfortunately, once the Titans got the ball and run a play, the Warriors had no answer. Let me be clear, this is not only the players' problem. The faces of the Warriors said it all. They were gutted. Once more, they did not have the tools to respond, and it's simply like sending an army into battle with a BB gun. For me, something needs to give. Yes, loyalty and friendships are good traits to have in an organisation, but unfortunately, they may not win you football games or even a premiership. I think it's a good time to show the defensive coach the door, and I don't mean the door to another part of the team's coaching room. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Defence wins titles, Kempe. It's simple as that. We honestly, we worked so hard on our defence when we went on our title run with the Satyrs. That was at the fourth. That was our main priority. Put teams under pressure and just defend like your life's depend on it. You look at the stats, differential, points differential for the Warriors, minus 292, second only. Second only to the West Tigers who were minus 327. So they leaked plenty of points and it it was all over the park. When you're leaking 14, the last seven, uh, 14 points in the last seven minutes, Kempe, like it's, yes, you got you got to have systems, but you've also got to have a, a mindset and a will to defend and, and defend like your life depends on it. But at the moment, it's been the same situation throughout the year. And we know the defensive coaches, Justin Morgan, he's been in there for a few years now. And things probably haven't eventuated like they have. And we, I touched on it a while ago. When they announced and they appointed Andrew Webster, was it going to be a fully changed backroom? No. Justin Morgan has stayed on. Andrew Webster comes in as the coach. Look, honestly, if they're going forward, Justin Morgan needs to go away and innovate and find something if he is going to be that defensive coach. Because right now, when you're leaking the second most points in the competition... You can't win anything. You just can't. And defence is is a real indication of where your club's at and where your team's at and where your minds are at. Mm. And when you're leaking that many points, you're not there. You're not on the money. So can they change? Are they going to be brave, Kempe, to make the change? No, well, I don't think they will be brave. But you look at what um, the All Blacks have done with with the Fords coach. You know what I mean? Does the, it mm. does make a difference if you get the right person in there? You know, you look what Argentina's done with David Kidwell, and that mindset that he brings. Because we all know that David Kidwell is, you know, pretty aggressive in defence. So, I think that they can't go into next season with the same structure in and around defence. If they do, well, we know what's going to happen. I still think you're going to have mm. a lot of the young blokes out there on the edges, um, and of course, you know, we've got tomorrow Martin and possibly Sean. Uh, defending out there as well, which doesn't sort of you know give give your bags of confidence um, in that front line. But 
for me, the game on the weekend, when it, when it was 14 points, you know, people asked me, what do you think about the game? I said, it's too hard to call, you know. Like, both teams, it's going to go right down to the wire. And even at 20 to 6, you know, they went 26-12, then in all of a sudden, seven minutes, it was bang, bang, we go into extra time. What that reinforced for me was the defensive effort over 80 minutes just has not been there all year. You should have closed the game out at 20 to 6. You actually... The boys should have put the game to bed. They had three sets of six, um, which was, I think, a key moment of the game on the tr- on the try line just before half time. And Dejan Arce decided to put a little kick through for himself, mm. not for anyone else. And the ball went dead. They get seven. They get seven um, tackles. Go down the other end. Score a try. And mm. you know that part of it is just that you're talking about game management, but. When you're talking about game management, you're also talking about making sure that you're, you're managing that game. So your defensive line, which is f- fragile, doesn't get put under pressure. Mm. And unfortunately, it's just got put under too much pressure this year and they can't do the same thing next year. Yeah, you're dead right there, Kim. We're going to go away and we're going to come back and we're going to get the choices floor and poll and then we'll pick this straight up. We'll pick this straight up for sure because there's a message coming through from Daniel um, talking about the leadership. And that last... Seven minutes, the leaders stand up, need to take control. And what we saw in that last seven minutes was, well, total opposite. Louis is away and so is Kiz, so third string quarterback Joe is in. Um, choice is flooring ball, yep. choice is flooring pole, boys. You're definitely third now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> my mum was, you know, my mum was saying to me uh, yesterday. She was like, "I can never understand what you're saying, Joe. You're always mumbling." And I said, "Mum, I'm 23. Why didn't you bring this up 23 years earlier?" It's quite <laughs> interesting. Um, but anyway, so it's choice is flooring pole time. Uh, Choices Flooring Room View Program takes the guesswork out of Choices Flooring. Upload your favourite floor today. We're going to uh, swing right a little bit and uh, talk about the All Blacks. Obviously a great performance uh, from a lot of the players. My question to you boys is, whose profile does this All Blacks performance boost the most? Is it Rico Ioani, Richie Moanga, Sam Kane or Joe Smith? And I can say that I've already put up the poll and currently it's same Sam Kane at 48%. Mm. Yeah, I'm heading down that uh, same path for me. There, Joe, with uh, your choices floor and pole, I think Sam Kane just really delivered a performance that was needed by him. No doubt he's been under a lot of pressure and a lot of criticism and uh, expectations when you carry the armband for the All Blacks. But uh, his ability to to just really stamp his mark on the game, I think defensively that's where he really showcased what he's about. He's launched into some tackles. You watch his... His game, he was diving and putting shots on these big players, Lavanini and, and Matera and co, just running big and hard, and he stopped them in the tracks plenty of times. And then that allowed him to get that confidence and his, his game going, and we saw how good he was around the park. So for me, definitely Sam Kane. I thought they complemented each other really, really well. Um, Shannon Rizal did his role. Adi Savier uh, um, did what we needed from an eight, so... Um, Sam Kane for me, Kempi, I think that really just took a bit of 
pressure off him, no doubt. He's got to keep mm. doing it week in, week out, because that's what All Blacks do, but a step in the right direction for Sam Kane. Oh, def- definitely. I, I totally agree with you. I think from a from a playing perspective, Sam Kane's profile is the one that everyone was looking at on the weekend um, to see whether or not he could perform after all the pressure that he's been put under, and he's admirably stood up and, and, mm. and done that. Uh, but I did think about the question, Joe, I didn't know that you were writing this, but I did think about that on Saturday night after the game about Joe Smith, you know what I mean? So you've got an attacking coach and a, and a forwards coach come in and then you get a 50-point win three or four games into, into the changes and it's starting to take some shape. And I think Joe Smith, for me, is the profile that people will start to look at now, especially if they can go back-to-back. Back. If they can go and get the bleeders low now, you know, and, and and cement that, then people will start to th- to talk about Joe Smith and 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 the dif- the difference he's making to the side, especially on offense. Because you got to think offense; they score fifty points. It's pretty impressive. Mm. Yeah, but, and then you get it. Like we touched on it earlier, Kempi, and and if you you touched on assistant coaches taking accountability. If you watched the breakdown last night, you you would have heard from Jay, uh, Jason Ryan on there, and and they touched on the week before. And the week that we've just seen, obviously the second match in Hamilton, he was vulnerable as they come. He was honest. He said, "Look, I I probably did. I didn't get my preparation right. You know, mm. I, I take that on the chin. I didn't expect um, well, I should have knowing David Kidwell was going to go in there to. And you watch the Argentina in that first Test match, the ability to hold the players up, so they are scrambling them and trying to keep them on their feet. You know, that's what leagueies do. They try and wrap them up and and hold them uh, off the ground, and that's what they are doing. They are frustrating the All Blacks. So. And and Jace Ryan spoke about it. He said, I should have known that with David Kidwell. We've watched games when they've done it against other teams, but I didn't get the ball contact era right. And all it took was a simple message from him. The boys, we can't run straight and direct into these players. We've got to put our foot on them. Mm. We've got to get behind them and, and stop them from getting over the ball and dominating us behind the game line. He came out, he showed vulnerability, and they made the change. So I he like questioned that. himself. Yeah, I, I like and that. And then on the other side of it, and it got me going about Justin Morgan. Has he ever shown any vulnerability and said he has got it wrong? He hasn't. So you got total different, um, you know, coaching where someone, you know, takes it on the chin and, and, and tries to be better week in, week out, where the other side you just don't hear about it and it's just the same, same. So I went back, yeah. and, re- I went back and read that, Izzy, after you said that last week, you know, because I, I said it'd be really nice for the coaches to stand up and own this. And, and you mentioned that Jason had gone out and said, look, I, I got it wrong. So I went back and read mm. it, and I, re- like, I like that guy. You know, he's just so transparent. Mm. The, the 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 catch you're talking about in rugby league, they call it the catch. They catch players and hold them up. Then you look at it mm. in an NRL game, they catch them, they hold them up. A third man comes in, and it takes a time, it buys you two seconds, uh, a couple of seconds, so that you can wrestle and get him on the ground and stuff like that. And of course, David Kidwell's going to come in, and one of the first things he's going to teach him is how to hold yeah. people up because they've been doing it for mm. years. You know, so. It was a real. I always thought it was really difficult to do to rugby union boys because they get their their um, centre of gravity so low to the ground. But yeah. the movement of feet and finding space when you're so low to the ground, man, hard to catch you then, you know. Mm. And that got them through the line, over the top of the ball, quick ball, and then it was all on. So well done to Jace Ryan. Well done to Joe Smith. He's my choice. Yeah, Joe Smith showing uh, a difference. What a week makes. And if you get the top two inches right, wow, it's dead in the right direction for the team to put in a performance. The question is, is it enough for you? Have you seen enough to change it? Are we going back? Are we having a repeat of South Africa? We thought it was all gravy 
But the players, but if you heard Rico Ioane's post-match interview, he touched on it. We got comfortable. They got comfortable after South Africa, and they went to Christchurch, and they got a performance in what unfolded, and Argentina got one over them. So they know now what is needed from All Blacks week in, week out. But is that enough for you to change your thoughts? Fozzie, Sam Kane, the leaders. The leaders were questioned during the week. Sam Whitelock. Has he still got a Brody Retallick and Dane Coles coming in added that much-needed mongrel? Good morning, Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. SENZ, Monday the 5th of September. It's just Kempe and myself. we got Neeps in the back room. Joey Bell pushing the buttons. Doing all right. Not a bad day for Joey. Only a couple of little hiccups, but it's all right. That's to be expected from our good mate there. No, Joey, doing a great job, mate. And uh, Aroha, doing an even better job. Appreciate all your updates throughout the morning. Coming up, we're going to announce the winner. Today's the day we announce the winner for Quizzy Dag. We've been holding a competition. Quizzy Dag, you win, you go on the draw. Well, today is the day. 8.40, announcing the winner to head over to the Gold Coast, courtesy of Willem and Travel to the V8 Supercars 500. Oh, yes. What a prize pack. Anyway, 8.40, we announce it, so stay tuned. Coming up, we're going to talk some more rugby. Look at this stat, Kempe. These are the stats from the game uh, over the weekend. Handling errors, we've already touched on it. Three handling errors for the 80 minutes. Total turnovers of six compared to Argentina's 13 and 15. Carries 142 compared to Argy's 102. Metres gained 460 compared to 270. Line breaks 9 and 5, but this is... Probably the most telling, and, and what a performance from from uh, Samasoni and Dane Coles, the niggly Dane Coles when he come on. Line-out throw success, 100%. 14 mm. from 14. So a clinical performance from our All Blacks, and someone that was very, very good over the weekend is on the line now, David Harvey. On Saturday, the All Blacks reaped the rewards from all the hard mahi they've been putting in behind the scenes with a dominant win over the Pumas and Hamilton. The win was highlighted by a terrific performance from our midfield pairing of Harvili and Yuani, who were instrumental on both sides of the pill. One of those men is online now, and as we welcome in the great crusader, and not a bad golfer on his day, on the show, David Harvili. Morning, Davey. Morning, Buzz. How are you? Morning, ah, morning. Very good, mate. It's been a good morning. We are talking a, a bit of Warriors, but talking a lot of All Blacks too, mate. Uh... It's a difference. What a week makes for the All Blacks and for yourselves, mate. When you dig a little bit deeper, Davey, was there much of a change? What was the big change for you as a group to get it so right? Oh, I think, yeah, yeah like you said, it's, uh, we just need to focus on our week a bit better and um, rectify a few things. I thought our discipline was a lot better and uh, we gave them less opportunities in our 22. And um, I thought we created to our full pack had, had, you know, they're really well around their line out and set piece, and um, they got us a lot of ball, front football, so that uh, made a lot of difference for us. Hey, Dave, well done on the weekend, mate. Um, was it part of the plan to find the space, like run into, run into space, find the space when you're carrying the football? Cheers, mate. Yeah, it was, mate. Um, we just wanted to, uh, I guess, give, a, give our back three a lot of ball and give them opportunities and we found a lot of kick space and it made a lot of bobble ball and um, we got a few of those 50-50s back and, um, you know, we, we played on top a lot. So, um, yeah, I think it was 
uh, a big focus for us just to get the ball into the likes of Will and Rico um, and Geordie at the back there. So um, we wanted to give them a bit of space. Mate, I think your triple threat, uh, Davey, was, was world class. Your distribution, we've already had a message of you've got silky hands, so you're passing your ability to hit anyone anywhere as world class. But then you're kicking. Like on the weekend, we saw a bit of kicking from yourself, finding that space. Is that was that all part of the plan? And was that was that how you were able to unlock Rico? I thought Rico had probably his performance. So is that something you were trying to trying to do to be able to help Rico do what he does? Yeah, I think once we get a bit of go for ball, it sort of manipulates the backfield. And um, look, I like to try and show my skill set every now and then. So. Um, and it takes a little bit of heat off Richie and Nug. So if I can, you know, execute those kicks every now and then to find a bit of space, um, and we did in the weekend, it wasn't only on, only for me. I thought Rich had a great kicking game around finding the space, and um, look, we we got a few balls back, and it just meant it gave Rico a, a bit of space out there as well. So you just seen when he got the ball, ball in his hands, he, he broke a few tackles and got us over that game line. Hey David, uh, Joe Smith, the attacking coach, what? What has he bought uh, that's been different from the other guys? Oh, I think it's just um, the extra bit of detail he brings. He's um, really diligent around us, making sure we execute under pressure. And um, throughout the last couple of weeks I've, I've been around him, he's just been able to help me um, execute those sweet things around making sure I'm putting guys in space and uh, making the right decisions at the right time. And he's real passionate about um, being the best out of us at training, and I think we did that this week. Yeah. And, and oh, mate, you saw it with Joe Smith. I thought the, the phase play attack was great, but it all come down to, like you said, the ability to get behind Argentina. Was that a main focus? You saw uh, the Argentina with David Kidwell, their ability to try and ragdoll you and keep you up and, and keep you on your feet. So how were you? what was the main focus to, to nullify Argentina's ability to, to, to dominate that contact area? Yeah, we seen that last week. They they got double shoulders on us and they stopped our game line. So we just wanted to put our boys in, I guess, weak shoulders and be able to get in behind them. And once we did that, um, we started playing on top. And then um, you know the likes of uh, Caleb and Rico and that they got out into those wide channels. And then it just made uh, for extra space everywhere. And then that brought into our kicking game. So um, I think moving forward, we need to keep doing that and uh, moving teams around and. When we get those um, game line carries, we're a different team. Dave, you, you just talked about the the preparation and uh, Joe Smith being really focused on your preparation at training and that has it been a lift at training during the week and and that's a noticeable difference taking that into the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, it was pretty physical the, the Thursday training and even the Tuesday, so <laughs> we wanted to go out and stamp him up early. Um, yeah, I think Gus said it. Um, during the week in, in media he said it was probably one of the physical um, four-pack trainings I've had so we're definitely up for it but I think it's about us being consistent in each week and making sure we have those trainings and be able to perform on the weekend as well. And, and Colsey and Guzzler, they obviously seen what happened at the end, I can only imagine what Colsey was doing out there babe. but the influence on the, on the group this week, they make a difference? Yeah, well, I think it just just their experience coming off the bench. Uh, I've been there numerous amount of times, and just adding that experience to be able to you know finish teams off in that last twenty, we sort of um, you know let them back in in the last sort of thirty to twenty minutes in the last game. So we wanted to make sure that 
uh, we finished them off. And I thought Gazza and um, uh, Colsey coming in added, added the difference, and you know, for the niggle as well, which is which is always quite good. And, and w- just quickly before we let you, we let you go, Davey, I know that you got to go hit the golf course um, shortly, but um, mate. <laughs> We haven't yet put in a back-to-back performance. We've had a good performance, and then we've shied away. We've put a good performance, we've, we've shied away. So what's going to be the the keys to this week? When you assemble in Australia, over heading over to Melbourne, playing a Thursday night test, which is unheard of. So what do you do? Because you're a leader in that group, no doubt. You're a leader and amongst the group. So what do you do? have to do as leaders to ensure uh, everything has done right and we can get a back-to-back performance? Yeah, that's, and that's the challenge for us uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going over to Australia with, with you know everything to play for the the rugby championship, and not only that, the blenders low. So there's going to be no motivation needed. It's about us making sure we get our week right and um, understanding the detail around our game and how we want to play. So um, you know, I thought we got that right this week, and but like I said, it's been sort of up and down and. We'll be focusing on on this the detailed part about our game, and no doubt that Australia will be coming hard at the breakdown, and uh, we'll, we'll need to rectify a few things to to make sure that we get the performance that we want. And um, yeah, like I said, it's going to be an awesome couple of weeks. Oh, it's the most anticipated Bledisloe Cup series for a very long time, David. We can't wait. Quickly before we let you go, mate, you're home. You got a couple of days back in your own bed. What is David Harvilli doing his week off? Yeah, like you said, it is a bit of, bit of golf, I think. Um, catch up a few of the boys. I'd say catch up George Bridge and Jumbo um, for a quiet beer. But look, I'd say a lot of golf's on the cards, bro. Yeah, you, you want me to tune you up tomorrow? <laughs> oh, if you, if, if you got it in you? Well, I tuned you up when you were down here in Christchurch last time. Hey, nah, we appreciate you coming on, mate. Honestly, uh, a noticeable difference and what a week makes. Uh, Just continue that form and and whatever you did right in Hamilton, keep doing it because it worked, mate. Appreciate your time, Davey. Cheers, lads. Thanks for having me. There he is, David Harvey. Probably their most complete performance and. You know, and Fozzie, you know, we trust because there was question marks about bringing different personnel in. And, you know, it's only one performance, and Davey knows that. We know that, Kempe. But have they done enough to ensure we trust that pairing going forward? Oh, look, I think I think the uh, the stats, why Fozzie didn't change, you know, the stats were all on the right side of the ledger there. They just didn't execute properly. Um, interesting to hear him say that they got double shoulders on them and that you've got to have that to catch the player to hold them up, you know what I mean? So they they made a shift in this, just their, their attitude. For me, listening, they make a shift in their attitude to training. They get really physical. Like you've always said, you've got to train like you're going to play with intensity. They go out there and then they deliver what, what has been a slight change, which is finding space and getting behind the line with those little kicks and so on. So it's it's it ain't rocket science, but it makes such a difference to a side that has so much skill and they can go out one week and lose Argentina and then the next week put 50 points on them. So they've got a blueprint here to take into Aussie and the splitters, I think, is he? And the main thing is is preparation. Like, pre- prepare really well and execute what you're being told to do, and you and you come out on top. Prepare well, for sure. You've nailed it right there, Kempi. And, and they've, they've touched on it. They, were, they got comfortable, and, and they probably didn't. You know, Steve Hansen says, when you're washing a window... When you're washing a window, you think the window's done. You've thoroughly washed it. You've gone over everything. 
but you just skip those corners, those little you know, gnarly little corners, those little bits in the corner there, you don't just quite get into them. That is skipping that bit of detail. If you walk, if you skip that, then you're skipping those little bit of extras that you might not need to do that you feel like, nah, I've done enough. If you skip those corners, you haven't done enough, mate. And that's uh, what they did last week. They ticked everything and they covered and they washed that entire window and, uh, and got the job done. So, but the question is, and what everyone's wanting to see is back-to-back -back performance because good teams put out a performance, but great teams back it up week in, week out, and that's mm. what we need to see from our All Blacks. And we've got a few messages here. Kempe, just heard someone praising the wee kicks. AB's done only a matter of weeks ago. I was hearing fans wanting the wee kicks to stop. Glad Kane and the boys up a few trolls. Oh, <laughs> shut up a few trolls on Saturday. Well done, AB's. Never lost faith, and that is from Mark. Appreciate your message, Mark. And Izzy, something I've learned off you, and I noticed big time watching live on Saturday. The boys were big, back in the game, really quick off the deck. Yes, Brett, back in the game. No logs. I was a log a few times, and I got sprayed, lying on ground. No good to me. Get up mm. and get back in the game, Israel. So, yeah, plenty of bigs, no logs. Logs, Brett's, dead, uh, observation dead on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> dead heads. Don't get... Put on your back. Get put on your tummy, mate. It's uh, now it's good. Good little catch up there with David Harvey to talk about the All Blacks and and uh, well, that success they had over Argentina. Mate, Marie did you Kayuani. ever get to see Bruce Robinson play? I did. Yep, watch yep. Bruce play. I never obviously he was a bit before my time, but seen snippets of it. Kempe, very very classy, silky. Yeah, he was one of the he was one of my idols growing up. You know, watching him play. His long blonde locks swaying in the back mm. when he ran, and just honestly, his passing game was second to none. He is mm. so good. I'm setting the outside delight. So it's a really good accolade putting Dave Hoverley in that um, that category because I think he's one of the greatest centres we've ever had. We've been blessed, Kempy. We've been blessed oh, we in have. this country with centres, haven't we? If you think of the great centres, the Walter Littles, the Frank Bunces. The Mars, the Conrads, you know, Schuster, the, the Robinson, Stanley, Schusters, you know, like mate, we're Aramias, the Umangas, like we've had plenty mm. gone by. What has been your favourite uh, centre pairing? Give us a text, double eight, double three. We'd love to hear from you because when you think about it, man, we've been blessed. We have been blessed, and as this centre pairing, which is taking a bit of time, Harvili and Yuani, the one that is going to take us forward. Uh, they show glimpses on the weekend. Can they continue that on? We'll soon see the Bledisloe Cup. You got to remember, it's next week. Uh, next week can be a Thursday night game, nine forty-five PM. I can't wait. I reckon you've hit the nail on the head. It's the most anticipated Bledisloe for years. Mm. You know, mm. no one knows. Normally, you just go, "Well, put, just leave the, the trophy here in the cabinet. We don't even have to dust it off." You know, but. Yep. I dare say they'll have it in a box parked up in a hotel somewhere just in case because they don't know themselves whether or not they're going to perform. So if they can get back-to-back, -back, if they can prepare and they can get some momentum going, well, you know, you never know. You never know. They might just go and do what they did, have done for the last few years and dial them up. And don't, don't forget, it's the Aussies. So come on. <laughs> yeah, if Aussies are going to get one over us, it's right now. It's right now because Melbourne... Oh, AFL, we've been shunted. That's how big AFL is over the weekend. And if you don't know, follow Louis because he's a passionate AFL fan. It was one of the greatest playoffs ever. There was only a few points between every game. 
And, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing at this text here. I'm laughing at this text. Yeah. He goes, love your analogy with Windows currently doing that here in Tauranga. <laughs> Cheers, Chris, the window from Chris's uh, CKS window cleaning. Mate, and he'd be doing the windows at the moment. If Chris is doing your windows, I bet you they're spotless today. <laughs> Make sure you clean those corners, Chris. All right? Send us a photo. Send us a photo of those corners being cleaned because no doubt you've skipped a few corners in your day when you can't be bothered, eh? Uh, that's the part where you, that's what AB is. You can't skip those corners. SBW and Nonu, ALB. Don't forget we have Anton Leonard Brown coming back <clears throat> into the midfield. So there are some stocks to be coming and filling that up. Jim Tamuka. Boys, does anyone know the last time the Black Caps and ABs both touring Australia at the same time? Great shout, Jim. Great shout. I don't remember the last time that they were both touring at the same time, but keep those messages coming through. Temper Bed Post. Text machine. That was David Harvey. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.